podcast. I am so excited about this week's podcast because I have had a catch up with one of my beautiful friends, Rebecca, also known as Somewhat Rad on Instagram. If you follow her, you'll know that she has given birth to the most beautiful little baby boy called Quinn. Um, And I haven't spoken to her yet until today. And we recorded our conversation for you because on there she shares with us her birth story and so much more so I'm going to just throw you straight into the podcast because it is the best catch-up and I've learned so much and I feel so excited about what I'm about to go through so enjoy yay brilliant oh my goodness congratulations thank you how are you I am fine I'm fine I'm getting really impatient (laughs) (laughs) which is so bad already so bad already I think I'm just I'm so bored I am so bored and everyone's like oh just enjoy it you're like I can't fucking do anything I know and everyone's like oh this is the last time that you'll ever get to do this and I'm just like I know but I am everything is done I have deep cleaned everything I could possibly clean and there is nothing else to do (laughs) (laughs) and you you can't do the stuff they're telling you to do and enjoy it because, like, you're a bit uncomfortable and you're thinking about other things and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And, like, I don't know if you found this, but every little movement, I'm like, oh, is this it? No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how are you feeling? I'm really good, actually. Really, really good. Um, it's, it's kind of my recovery has been, like, amazing so much quicker, I think, than I expected. Um, and we had a really chilled first couple of weeks with this one. He's now he's now definitely out of the sleepy newborn stage and is a bit cranky with life. So we're trying we're trying to work that out. Um, but he's absolutely gorgeous. So it kind of makes up for it. Oh my goodness! I mean, he is adorable. Absolutely adorable. Adorable. I I think so. I am so impressed. You're you were back doing yoga like two weeks after. Yeah, I think I, I just as I mean, like the physical bit of it for me was is was, was fine. And look, I'm not doing anything exciting, right? Like even I've done forty minutes total, and like about two down with dogs. So it's all very chill. Um, but yeah, body wise, I feel like back to normal, really. But I'm back to normal, i.e., where I was like before he came. So yeah. I'm still like way down on where I was strength and fitness wise. I'm sure. But, you know, I'm not actually going to discover that relative comparison for a while. So we'll cross that when we get there. And I bet it's so lovely having hubby home, isn't it? Oh, my God. It's so, yeah, it it is good. It is good. He goes back to work next week. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's it's very manageable with one person, but it's just much nicer with two. Yeah, I'm sure. And having that company as well. Yeah. And someone just to be like, oh shit, what should I do? Like, do you think he wants feeding, or should we change him again? Or, or, um, yeah. Oh. It, 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 we, I read so many books, and I was like, well, when he gets here, it will kind of be obvious what to do. And it's like, it's not obvious in any way, shape, or form. Really? See, that's really interesting. So I, I haven't read many books. I've literally kind of dipped in and out of one that I've got, which is what to expect when you're expecting. Um, which gives like a little bit of insight into how to manage the first month or so. But I haven't yeah. read anything else and I'm just thinking, oh, I'll figure it out. But is it not obvious? Oh, shit, maybe I need to read well, something. No, no, no. 
No, I think, like, I think it's going to help you not having read all the books, because I'm like, well, one book says that, you know, they should be doing this, and another book says this, and, like, no one agrees on anything, mm. and so I really, like, I'm like, I just have no idea between all those different opinions, whereas if, if you just kind of do what they want you to do, as long as you're okay with that and there's no schedule, then... You know, and and it, when they get upset, then you're like, oh god, is it because I haven't fed them enough, or they haven't slept enough, or they've slept too much, or you know, blah blah blah. So it's, it's just this kind of constant, like I have no idea. But the books aren't going to answer any of those questions for you either, so no. I wouldn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't bother. Um, are you happy to talk about like your um birth and kind of how yeah. how it all happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it, it gets a bit grisly at the end, um, and so I just uh, I just want to check that you're okay with that more than anything. I'm totally, totally fine okay, with cool. all of that. I'm not. I'm not worried at all. Okay, good. So yes, give give all of the details because yeah, all of the details. I am yeah. I'm not. I'm not stressed. My friend had a okay, pretty. Cool, cool horrific birth where I think she covered most most things off so okay fine and look I've described mine as horrific in any way shape or form it's just a bit um yeah it it gets a bit grisly oh but are you are you how are you feeling in yourself I feel great like genuinely like I didn't have you know they talk about that kind of like dip after a few days after and you know and I haven't had any of that like I felt really I've, I've definitely, the first few times he got really upset, like, that really upset me, in a way, in, and, it, like, mentally, I was like, okay, he's crying, baby's quiet, it's fine, but I, then I started crying, and I was like, I'm not this upset, it's just, like, it's, your emotions are just closer to the surface, but, yeah, I don't feel, I've, I've had no, I haven't had any of those kind of um, issues, basically, so I feel really happy and chilled and, you know, I'm, I would like to know more what I'm doing, but that's like me just being alpha me and wanting to, you know, skip ahead of steps and be perfect at everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's not like you. <laughs> exactly. Shocker, right? <laughs> oh, well, okay. So tell, tell me, how, how did you, because I saw you, when did I see you? I saw you just before a hospital appointment. You so... saw me, um, yeah, you saw me, well, Basically, three days before he was born. Yes, that's right. So I was 40, yeah, 40 plus five at that point. And they were starting um, to chat about induction, weren't they, with you? Yes, yeah. So I was heading in to see my consultant when I saw you. Um, and just review, we'd done a growth, we'd done a scan the week before, um, and the scan was all fine. Um, and they were like, well, you know, we should book you in for an, an induction. It was a Monday. And they are like, we should book you in for an induction the following Monday, um, which I did not want to do. No. Um, but it gets, and I, again, I intellectually knew this, this would happen, that, you know, they kind of start throwing the statistics at you. And there's a lot of, not pressure, but it's just everybody else says yes. And so if you're the one person saying no, um they're they're pretty confused about why and it also it's pretty hard for you to stand your ground consistently especially when underneath you are you don't want to get it wrong you are worried that you'll be the one example that went too late and something bad will happen so yeah I was getting a bit it, it was beginning to get a bit stressful and so basically me and the consultant decided as a compromise that I would go in for a sweep on the Wednesday 
um, when I would be 41 weeks um, on the dot. Well, 41 plus one because my I was 41 on the Tuesday and so my due date had been on the Wednesday the previous week. So mm-hmm. I went in for a sweep on the Wednesday. Yeah. Um, which was was like so much of not a big deal versus what I had kind of worried that it would be. Um, but I had some bleeding after that. So they kept me in the day unit for a couple of hours just to keep an eye on both um, both Quinn and me. And then he was fine. I was fine. I was going to let me go a couple of hours later. And then I went and got induction acupuncture. Because <laughs> oh. I was like, we are doing everything we can to get this baby out before the doctors get their hands on me, basically. Yeah. Um, so we did the sweep at 10 o'clock. We did the acupuncture at 3 o'clock. And at 5.30, um, my contraction started. No way. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so tell me more about this induction acupuncture because... My friend had it and it actually went, well, she had quite a few things and mm. um, she felt like baby actually almost reversed and like went back up. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. And so, yeah, did I mean, it, it obviously, I mean, who knows whether it was the sweep or the acupuncture, I guess, or both, but how, yeah. what do they do to you? So, um, so they couldn't do, she's like, I can't do the most powerful treatment on you because, because of my complications with my blood disorder. Okay. Um. But she, she was like, we can still, you know, it, was, it should still help. I said, like, okay, fine. So they basically, she basically needled me along um, certain meridians, and don't, I can't remember which ones, but kind of feet, knees, um, inside of arms, and things like that, like all, you know, all to do with kind of, you know, pelvic systems and things. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was not uncomfortable, but it was much stronger than I've never had acupuncture before. And it was much stronger than I thought it would be. Like, I really felt it kind of in my muscles and and for a few hours afterwards. Okay. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was generally much stronger than I expected it to be. So I do feel like it made a difference, but obviously it's impossible to tell whether it was a sweep or, or that. Oh, wow. And it was specifically induction acupuncture. Yeah. And I had wanted to do it before, but I couldn't find a qualified acupuncturist who would see me before 41 weeks. They're very strict on that. Um, And they want kind of they want to review your your notes um, and preferably get kind of confirmation from your doctors as well. So it's, you know, their approach is they take it very seriously. Yeah. Words, which I, which is actually I think really really reassuring. Oh, I'm gonna have a look with someone down here. Yeah, just have on yeah, the back I, burner just in case. <laughs> I yeah, I would definitely it and and, yeah, and that's the thing. Even if it is psychosomatic, like it just feels like you're doing something, which yeah. is which I found really calming. Yeah. So contractions then started. Contractions started at five thirty, and I spent. They, I, it kind of started, and it started like I was having two contractions every 10 minutes from the beginning. So what so did it I feel like? So I kind of expected it to be this kind of like slow crescendo yeah. kind of thing. And and it really wasn't. It was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, this is... And I say this is it, but I spent the first couple of hours wondering whether it was for real because I you know you read lots about people having false labors and it's starting and then it's stopping 
So I kind of, it was pretty intense from the beginning, but I still really doubted whether whether it was happening, mainly because like my waters hadn't broken and I wasn't getting, you know, I hadn't lost my plug. I wasn't getting any of the other symptoms that, that they talk about. Yeah. Uh, but by, by 7.30, 8.30, it was getting pretty intense. Um, and so my, uh, Nick called the hospital at that point and they asked us, they were like, look, you know, thanks for calling, give it another hour and see where you are. So another hour went by and at this point I was, I was ha- starting to have a little bit of a panic because <laughs> it was way more intense than I thought it would be. And again, I was kind of, I had all these like stories of first labors in my head. I was like, if this, if this is going to be 24 or 48 hours of this, then I'm not sure I can do it without help. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of, I was doing the kind of, I guess, classic, like catastrophe, I can't say it properly, but you know, thinking about the worst case scenario. Um, and we, I know we spoke last time, I, we'd done hypnobirthing. Yes. Um, classes and I found that really, really, really helpful. Um, and in, and midwives tell you that you to try and stay at home as long as possible. Um, but I was, and in and our plan had been to stay at home as long as humanly possible. But in reality, for me, being at home as long as possible was a lot shorter than I thought it would be. I because of this kind of I guess thought in the back of my head that that I would need some help at some point because it was just it was just a lot more painful than I thought it would be. And then the not knowing how long it was going to last yes. um, definitely kind of undermined my confidence in my ability to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, I so we were then up to kind of two or three contractions every 10 minutes, which is when they tell you to go anyway. Yeah. Um, but in amongst all of this, um, I kind of knew that I wasn't dilating. And I kept saying to Nick, and I was like, uh, he was like, do you want to go? And I was like, I do, but I don't think I'm dilating. And he was what like, What made well, you think that? I just, it just didn't feel like anything. Everything was in my, in my stomach and in my back. Nothing felt anywhere else felt like it was happening, if that oh. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it just didn't. And it's like, again, it might, it might be me just being you know, that thought might have not been linked to what was actually happening in my body, but I felt pretty sure of it at the time. So I was really, really conflicted about going to the hospital because I was kind of, I kind of knew I wasn't where I needed to be. And they would, um, and that finding out that I wasn't dilating would really stress me out. But we kind of got to the point where being at home um, was stressing me out more. So we we called cab, um, went to the hospital, got to the hospital about 10 at 10 p.m yeah um they checked me out and the answer was I was right <laughs> I wasn't dilating really? so it's only about two and a half centimeters um at that point and then I got then I actually got upset so I was like oh god this is gonna be you know days and days and days and and if it's days and days and days there's no way I can cope um with it and so they were like mm, you're a little bit distressed why don't you just stay in kind of one of the side rooms um and we'll see how you do 
And then as they, and they gave me some paracetamol. Um, and then as they were doing that, I started bleeding again. Right. Nothing kind of, nothing awful, but just, you know, noticeably. So they were like, okay, fine, you definitely need to stay now. Um, and then we just hung out in, in this kind of side room in the day unit for a couple of hours. And actually I was way calmer being in the hospital um, than I had been at home which which really surprised me as well again because of I think the hypnobirthing mantra that I'd be more calm at home um but as soon as kind of we realized that it was you know we were like okay good this is good we're in the right place you know this is clearly what I, I needed that backstop of knowing if I needed help it, it would be there yes um so then at about midnight they moved us across to the home from home units um, because it was, I guess it was obvious to them that things were kicking on a little bit. And at this point, my memory of it all starts to get a little bit hazy. Um, <laughs> but they moved us across. Um, and because of the bleeding, they wanted me hooked up to a monitor, just one of the kind of outside monitors that they strapped to the bump, um, to keep an eye on his heart rate. Um, but because, well, in my birth plan had been stay at home as long as I could and then be in the water um, up until the pushing stage. But we discovered very early on that I couldn't sit, I couldn't be still at all during a contraction. I had to be up and moving, basically leaning over something and moving my bum in a figure of eight. That was okay. the only way that I could get through a contraction. So the water birth went out of the window on like you know we didn't even it wasn't even a question at any moment in time whether I would go anywhere near the water the, the pool um and because I was moving so much they were really struggling to get a reading and when they would get a reading he was moving loads as well so bless I had this we had this amazing student midwife who was like kneeling on the floor trying to keep this monitor in a position um that that would work oh bless her um yeah she was such she's such a superstar and and the, the answer was they they that she couldn't basically and because i was still bleeding um they decided to move us across to the labor ward which again i've been really against and i would had this whole kind of battle with the consultant about not being in the labor ward yes. um but as soon as they were like, look, we have a wireless monitor there, so you'll be able to move more. And as soon as they said that, I was like, done. I just, it's it's that you won't care when you're in the thick of it. But I didn't think that was true. And it was absolutely true. I didn't care. Um, I, I just knew what I wanted, which was to move. And the closer I could get to that, the better, basically. Yeah. So... They moved us across. The student midwife stayed with us, um, and she was just an absolute godsend. So moved me across um, and got me on the wireless monitor, which worked a treat. And so everyone calmed down um, at that point because he was doing fine, and my bleeding wasn't getting worse. wasn't You know, just it just was what it was. Did they give um, you a reason for your bleeding at all? No, and because it was more like again, this is probably TMI, um, but it was just like drip, drip, dripping. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't, not, it wasn't distressing to them or to me as long as they could monitor his heartbeat. Um, though it was quite funny because basically, because I was moving so much, they were like following me around with these like incontinence pads that they put on the floor or on the bed. Uh. 
and it then ended up look, everywhere ended up looking a bit like a, a, <laughs> a war zone because it's just like blood everywhere but um they checked me at one one ish I think and I'm six and a half centimeters at that point so I'd really cracked on um in those few hours which was a huge relief um and and interestingly and this is more an observation with hindsight um again like I had expected it to be this crescendo and things in it you know if it'd been at a level five at the beginning I was like oh gosh I'm not going to be able to handle it when it's level 10 or level 15 or whatever we're going to get to yeah and the interesting thing for me at that point is that it wasn't actually getting any worse that kind of my the contractions I was having at 11 p.m kind of the same as the contractions I was having at 1 a.m okay um they were maybe a little bit closer together but not really um and so I feel like if I had known that 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 was a possibility that kind of what I was dealing with at the beginning would be what I was dealing with at the end, that that would have helped me a lot through it. So yeah, it doesn't always get worse, I think, into the, you know, into the the pushing stage, basically. Sometimes if you're hitting regular contractions and they're really intense and that's probably as bad as they're going to get, or at least it was for me. Mm. Um, Then at about... 30 um I suddenly had a little bit of panic about the fact I hadn't been um hadn't drinking enough and I hadn't been going to the loo enough um god only knows where it came from um <laughs> but I guess it, it was just I was like I must go to the bathroom um basically so it took like three people to get me to the bathroom I couldn't I couldn't use the bathroom it's just there's just way too much other stuff going on so we decided to go back to um the bed but then as soon as I stood up my water broke Ah. And it was a full, yeah, it was a full, um, the midwives thought it was amazing because it was like a full Hollywood kind of splash, gush <laughs> all over everybody's shoes, <laughs> all over the walls, everything. They were like, that never happens. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. And to be honest, I hadn't even intellectually realised that my waters hadn't gone or that it was, that they would go that late in the process. Okay. Um, so, and actually, once they went, I felt so much better because I think what I'd be feeling of needing to go to the loo was like all of that pressure yeah. as he had been moving down. So they checked me again, and at that point, I was 10 centimeters, so ready, ready to go. Wow. Um, so, where were we? About 2 30. Um, and then, yeah, then we started pushing, which again was way better than I expected it to be the the pushing the pushing contractions are much for me were much less painful than the dilating contractions interesting it it was like it, it, you just feel this kind of pressure and this this moving down sensation versus what for me was definitely pain in the contraction stage and I really felt it kind of in the front of my tummy and in, in my lower back yeah. and that kind of went away when we were into the pushing stage um which was I mean it's a whole different kind of intense because you do feel this like overwhelming yeah pressure and and to the extent before I kind of moved into an all fours position to push I was, I was still kind of stood up and I was like I was kind of desperately trying to kind of I was up on like getting up on my tiptoes kind of trying to get out of 
my body, if that makes sense, like yes. trying to escape this pressure that was um, that was this the moving down, um, which obviously you can't. So they were like, why don't you just why don't you try not standing up? That might help you. <laughs> um, so we tried all fours, um, and again, this this is from what Nick told me afterwards because I have no sense of time at this point. But it was um, told about half an hour, 40 minutes of trying on all fours. Um, and he wasn't really, I, I, whether I wasn't doing a good push, a job of pushing or he wasn't really moving in that position, it just didn't really work. So, and, and his heartbeat was beginning to be a bit concerning for them. So it's normal for the baby's heart rate to drop in a contraction, but it's, they care about the recovery time. Yeah. And it's taking longer and longer to recover after a contraction. So... After about 40, 45 minutes, they were like, look, we really need to get him out. Um, and we think you'll do better if you're on your back. So, they, which, again, I really didn't want to do because of all the hypnobirthing stuff. Mm. Um, but they moved me onto my back. And actually, as soon as I was there, it was way better for me. It felt better. I could push more effectively. It just, yeah, it, it really worked Um for me so that was something I was expecting um and yeah kind of not that's so interesting because because they tell you quite clearly in their birthing that it's not good to be on your back right yeah exactly that's so interesting because you everywhere I read it's like you know don't be on your back get up get moving whether it's hypnobirthing or not so that's that just goes to show, doesn't it, that it is so individual to your individual yeah. need. Absolutely. And also I think that the midwives are so experienced in watching people go through this mm. that when they have advice for you, it, it's not just generic advice. It's like them, you know, and no one had asked me to move position or to be anywhere near my back anywhere previously right so it wasn't and in fact you know they had when they were checking me they wanted me on my back but it was you know they tried really hard to time it so it was between my contractions so it, it you know and as soon and if we didn't get the timing right and I had to be up then all you know everyone would get me up as soon as I needed to be up so it was when they tell you something it's because it's they want the best for you not because they just think it will you know it's more efficient for them or or it's just what is done. Mm. Um, and I felt I, that, again, like experiencing that and that kind of the, the midwives, I just cannot say enough amazing things about the midwives that were with us and how kind of present in your experience they are. How um, many did you my, have in the end? So we had the student midwife stayed with us um, and then we had the kind of the the more senior midwife um that was assigned to us in the labor ward and then the kind of the head midwife that was on duty kept popping in and out of our room okay um to check in on us and then the doctor we had a lovely female doctor that was on duty that night and she was popping in and out as well um so we, we i always had two midwives with me um plus my husband basically the entire thing oh, wow. I, we, were, we were never we weren't left alone for a moment and again that was incredibly comforting mm. uh, 
for me. And it was funny because, you know, again, with hypnobirthing, you have lots of, loads, as you know, all this focus on affirmations. And so I had all my affirmations and all this kind of stuff. Um, but that went out of the window pretty quickly. And the only thing that I could basically say on repeat through the entire thing was I can't do this and I need help <laughs> um to which the midwives basically just responded through the entire thing you are doing it and you don't need and, and we and, and we're helping you um so it it was you know you I had this vision of myself being this like really calm you know chills <laughs> and I would breathe my baby out and it, it was, I was definitely more high maintenance than that. Um, yeah, and Nick's, like, Nick's very sweet about it. He was like, look, you weren't noisy. You just, just kept saying it over and over again. <laughs> you were very calm, apart from the fact that you were saying that you couldn't do it. And I was like, okay, fine. Maybe I wasn't, maybe I wasn't so bad. But I needed, I just, I needed a lot more reassurance um, than I was expecting. Yeah. So oh they, so we moved on back and as soon as we did um he really got moving at that point um but he was a big baby he was nine pounds um and you didn't know he was, he was gonna be that big did you no in fact they had sent me for a growth scan when I was 39 and a half weeks because they were worried that he'd be small right so we were not expecting him to be no. <laughs> to be nine pounds um, and I forget the exact number, but his head is like ninety something percentile. Like he's, wow. yeah, he, he's 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 a, he's he's not a teeny tiny newborn. Um, and so after a few more minutes of pushing, I we was I was still struggling to to basically get to crowning. So um, they asked whether they could do um, an episiotomy at that point, um, which again, I really didn't want beforehand, but at the time I couldn't have cared less about. Um, and, you know, as soon as the midwife's like, look, this is what we think would help. You, they, they, the two requests they asked of me the entire time was to move on to my back when I pushed and to do an episiotomy. Mm. And, when when they asked it just felt it felt so right to say yes um and to take their advice that it wasn't even a question and actually I think they had the senior midwife in at that point so she so she did it um you know it was no drama I didn't feel anything um it was fine and as soon as they did his head came out and then I think it was like one more push and his body came out so it was it was the thing that made the difference yeah um and he was born at 3 30 so we were kind of 10 hours flash to bang which for the first time birth um is pretty good yeah um and I, I haven't really talked about pain relief but, but the thing that really got me through it was we had the tens machine that we put on at home and stayed on the whole time i love that thing um Nick had the controls and he'd basically do the booster button as soon as as soon as contraction came and then turn it off once the contraction was done and I found that like really 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 helpful through the entire thing and then once we moved into the the ward I was on gas and air and I I mean that stuff is worth its weight in gold (laughs) did it make you feel sick because I've heard a lot of people say it made them feel sick no, not at all. I was definitely, I was definitely, I think that's probably where the disconnect with time came, um, right. because it definitely spaces you out a bit, but it was, 
yeah, it was just magic. <laughs> it, I didn't feel sick. It helped my pain. It forced me to breathe. Um, and again, I think it, it kind of it made me feel like I, I, I was asking for help, and it was the help that I needed. Yeah. So couldn't recommend it more highly. Loved it. Oh, brilliant. Um, and that, and then I thought that should have been the end of the story. Um, you know, got the natural birth we wanted. You know in a different room that made no difference with an episiotomy. But again, you know, I, I didn't tear. It was, they were really happy with it. Um, can you hear Quinn gurgling away I in the background? I can, I can. I'm just looking at this. Please stay asleep, baby. It's gorgeous. Um, and yeah, so they, because of my blood clotting stuff, they, um, everyone was pretty keen on doing active management of the, um, of the placenta, so where they give you the injection. Right. Which I was really cool with as well, kind of never even crossed my mind not to have it. So they literally, he came out, and he came out so quickly I didn't have time to take um, my bra off. So we were doing this kind of like trying to get my bra off, trying to hold the baby, do skin to skin. Um, And they gave me the injection. Um, And then things kind of went, this is where things went a bit pear-shaped basically. Um, because my placenta didn't come out. So we had, you know, they give it a few minutes of placenta to work and then they, you know, they try, they try pulling it and then they try, then they, people start pressing on your abdomen, um, to try and get it out. And it kind of goes, I went from being, you know, elated that the birth was over and, you know, the pain was over and I was kind of done to, progressively getting into what became like really excruciating pain I had like full body cramps and and people were getting more and more frantic about the fact that it wasn't coming out and so senior midwife came back the doctor came back and you have more and more people pushing on your abdomen and trying to pull it out and And it's pretty brutal. So at this, I, I don't know, they, they basically give you an hour for it to come out. Um, and so I think at about 40 minutes, I had handed the baby to Nick because I, I just couldn't do anything else apart from like hold on to the side of the bed yeah. while they're trying to do all of this jazz. Um, and then at the hour point, um, the doctor was like, look, we need to take you to surgery and we need to get it out um, in surgery. Oh my gosh, having gone through all of that and then to have surgery. I know. Uh, the thing is, at the time, I didn't care because I was in, at this point, I was in a really bad way. Um, it was it was genuinely worse than anything that had, that had gone before pain-wise. Really? Um, and, and also, I think the environment was quite different because you go from being, you know, I had... I had Nick, I had these amazing midwives and it's, everything's quite productive. You know, you, you do have that. I had those hypnobirthing thoughts in my head that, you know, I was every contraction I was getting closer to being done. Yeah. Um, and it's just a very supportive environment. And then this, I've never heard that, that this placenta thing was even a possibility so I had no idea what was going on and you could see people getting quite frantic about it. Um, which was stressful. Um, and then I had no pain relief because we'd like stop using the TENS machine or stop using gas and air. Um, so yeah, so when they said we'll take you to surgery and it's either an epidural or general anesthetic, I was like, give me, give me whatever you've got. 
um, because because it was pretty awful. So they took me to surgery, um, and bless left Nick with the baby <laughs> by himself. Um, and and basically, then I was with two um, anesthesiologists trying to get the epidural in, and. And now even more, like the environment change was just awful. I like you. I'd gone from being so supported, and everything was warm and quiet and dark, to kind of lying pretty much naked on an operating table in a theatre that's ten degrees cooler than the room that you've been in before. Oh, um, I've been surrounded by women, plus my husband, to two middle-aged male an- anesthesiologists trying to get this epidural into me asking me to move to stay still and then to move in ways like they needed me to curl up and and like just they needed me to curl up and to stay still neither of which felt were just both of which were awful um so it was just yeah it it was really brutal basically um and because I couldn't do what they needed me to do they couldn't get the epidural in so after about I don't know about 30 45 minutes trying to get the epidural in oh my God, and I was, that long? Jeez. yeah I, I was like beside myself at this point um they were like look I don't think we can do it we should do a general and I was like yeah just do like do anything um at which point the midwives clearly heard what was happening and so all came back in again and like kind of enveloped me like you do not want a general anesthetic after everything you've done by yourself it will make such a big difference to your recovery and to kind of, you know, to Quinn, if you have a general anaesthetic, I was like, okay, fine. But like, I need, like, please help me. I just, I need something that we can do on gas and air. I was like, amazing. (laughs) Give me the gas and air back. So, um, they gave me the gas and air. Then the anesthesiologist buggered off and then all my midwives came back in and the female doctor. So, I they moved me onto my back which again was more comfortable I had I had the student midwife that being with us from the beginning like holding my shoulders I had a different really senior midwife like hold like holding both of my hands and another another midwife on the other side like stroking my arm and then the female doctor kind of doing the business plus my gas and air and so I was back in this like super supportive kind of female environment um and they got it out within like 10 minutes which again was super brutal like it's a manual extraction with no pain relief so it's kind of from where going go sorry to be a bit um they 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 use their hands to get it out of you wow yeah (laughs) so and again it involves lots of people pushing on your abdomen and your abdomen is like all sorts of 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 kind of confused because it's just had a baby and now it's empty and so people pushing on it is 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 not ideal so yeah it was it was bad but it it was that the the actual bit of them doing it was way way less worse as soon as because I had all of these people around me um than what we'd been trying to do before with the anesthetic and stuff so um and I actually remember saying to them all I was like that you know I I work in a really male dominate dominated environment like I'm never surrounded by this many women like it's like it's really special what you guys are doing they're like no what you're doing is really special but it was just 
the, the contrast in those two things really, really blew my mind, even when I was like off my head on gas and air and pain <laughs> and having just had a baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the other benefit of having been in surgery is that the doctor then um, kind of did my stitches, which, you know, I think my advice from stories I've heard and certainly my experience to anyone that gets an episiotomy is demand the most senior person to do your stitches. Yeah. Like, if they ask whether the student can do it or whether the junior midwife can do it, just say no and just get whoever, the most senior person you can get your hands on, basically, because I'm now nearly three weeks on and mine is totally healed. Wow. I never had any never had any pain, you know, going to the bathroom three hours later, not an issue. Like, it's been a walk in the park for me, healing from it. And I think having the doctor stitch me up was a big part of that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and then they took me back um to to Nick and the baby um I had a little bit of a cry because it was all a bit um a bit especially seeing Nick and the baby again I was like oh my god what just happened to me um but as soon as I was back with them I kind of had a little cry I was upset for kind of 15 minutes 30 minutes um and then then was was incredibly grateful that I hadn't had any pain it hadn't hadn't had any more serious pain relief um because I didn't because I felt fine kind of straight away and you know then I was breastfeeding Quinn basically instantly none of which I would have been able to do if I'd been on the pain relief that they had been trying to give me so um so yeah within a very short space of time you know I was very grateful that it worked out you know, given the complication, I was very grateful that it worked out how it did. Um, we kind of hung out in our, they gave us a private room. I think they were clearly, clearly trying to look after us at that point. Um, so we had a private room for a few hours. The consultant midwife came and saw us. The senior doctors that were on, on duty came and saw us. And then all the midwives that had been involved from the day unit to the home from home to the labour ward came and saw us as well. Aww, um, so sweet. And, it was so nice and you know the the consultant midwife and and the consultants the doctors were you know were all just checking that I was okay given what had happened and interestingly you know obviously they were checking kind of my blood loss like I'd lost a litre and a half of blood mm-hmm. um in the end which is quite a lot and they were checking you know, all the physical side but what they were really checking was whether I was okay kind of mentally with what had happened um and whether you know they like gave, explained kind of why it happens and 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 what their procedure for dealing with it is and you know asked me whether I wanted to talk it through and all that kind of stuff like they were they were really really focused on kind of both mine and Nick's mental health which was which blew me away as well um and so I so I think one of the reasons why both of us have been so chill about it is because we we had all of those conversations within you know minutes hours of it all happening mm-hmm. um yeah and then kind of by midday we were all fine so they they moved us across to the um the postnatal ward and we hung out there until the following evening so he was born at three thirty on the thursday and we went home at 7 p.m on the friday wow um, and we've all been good ever since basically oh my goodness how fantastic <laughs> So it was, so I kind of just, like, we got the birth 
that we wanted. It went a bit pear-shaped afterwards, but, um, you know, but we got a really good outcome even within that. And I don't feel like it doesn't, aside from a, a, a grisly story to tell, I don't feel any worse to wear um, for it. And certainly, you know, Quinn's not affected by it. I was pretty washed out from all the blood loss and that, yeah. that kept me, I, I think that was also a bit of a blessing as well because I, because physically I felt so good so quickly. I think I would have been up and doing too much straight away if it hadn't been for the blood loss, which kind of just, I, I had to lie down and sleep basically for the first few days. Mm. Um, but yeah, kind of since then we're, we're rocking and rolling basically. And how are you finding breastfeeding? I have been so lucky. Um, he latched from the beginning and I have found it incredibly straightforward. No pain. Um, my, like, he was fine feeding on colostrum. Then my milk came in really straightforwardly. Um, it's kind of been the easiest, the easiest piece of the whole pie for me. Oh, wow. That's so good to hear. Yeah. So he Which, latched yeah, on just fine and... Yeah. Are you, yeah. are you using your um, silver nipple covers that you told no, me about? No, don't need to. Really? That's brilliant. No. <laughs> um, I'm kind of, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop for a few days. So I was like, <laughs> surely this can't be this straightforward. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, he still, he still fusses every now and again and, you know, does kind of what I like to call a shark attack rather than actually <laughs> eating. But I think that's just a function of, you know, him working it out as much as me. Um, but yeah, breastfeeding has been um, a breeze, which I'm incredibly grateful for. So how, what does your kind of typical day and your typical night look like as far as, well, everything really, I guess? Um, so, oh, are you waking up, bud? Oh, here we go. Hang on. Do you want some food? Just give me... <laughs> no worries at all. It's so cute. Oh. That might, you know what? That might have just been a phantom cry in the middle of his nap. Oh really? Yes. Do they do that? He is still asleep. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, you can sleep. You can cry in your sleep. Oh, I might be waking up. We'll see. <laughs> um, it's it's mostly this of me asking myself inane questions about what the baby wants. Um, I don't really, <laughs> really know what the answer is basically. Um, he he will sleep we've had a we've had it mostly really good nights where I'll feed him at like 11 ish and he'll sleep for kind of three three and a half hours um I'll feed him again he'll sleep for another two two and a half hours so yeah he'll be up at two up at five and then up again at kind of seven seven thirty mm. uh, so it's all the sleep thing hasn't been a massive problem. We've had a couple of nights where he's been awake from two till five, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is a little bit more brutal. But then he'll sleep in the day, and I'm I'm pro napper, <laughs> so I've been able to sleep. Um, the advice sleep when the baby sleeps has been relatively easy for me <laughs> to follow. Yeah, um, and in the day it's kind of a bit of a lottery. Like we, he'll kind of do a, a, maybe a, an, a couple of hours sleep in the morning, a couple of hours sleep at lunchtime, an hour and a bit in the afternoon. 
like he will he eats he sleeps we do a lot of nappy changes um you know he's we've had some fun like awake time bits where we do tummy time and you know bounce him in his bouncer and kind of read books at him and and things but it's just kind of that like eat sleep poo awake repeat basically (laughs) oh that's so sweet and he started we're we're nearly three weeks the first two weeks he was super chill and I was like oh my god I've got like the magic mythical baby that never cries he like didn't cry for the first two weeks basically wow this week he's been a bit more grouchy and kind of getting to the point where we've kind of cycled through everything that you know I'm like he's not tired he's not hungry he's clean you know what else does he want and kind of not knowing the answer yeah but luckily he kind of only really cries for kind of intermittent bursts we haven't had a full-blown you know three-hour marathon cry session yet I expect it's coming um but he's pretty I think we're I think we're pretty lucky in the grand scheme of things oh my goodness I just it it you're doing you're just super mum you're doing so well <laughs> I, I as long as you don't this is what I'm saying to everybody as long as you don't try to do anything else apart from the baby it's fine yeah it's when you try to do anything that it goes a bit it goes a bit haywire so when um, you came when you brought baby home did you come mm-hmm. with in taxi how did you get home so actually our uh, um my mother-in-law next mum um picked us up Oh, lovely. And drove us home. So my parents came to visit us. I was I was not expecting to be in the hospital um, as long as we were, even though we weren't there very long. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my parents came and visited us, and then Nick's mum um, drove us home, which was really nice. And how did and it actually, feel arriving at home? I, I was expecting to have that kind of, like, oh, shit, how... Uh, how is anyone that has had a baby? What do we do with it? Kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, but the, the the positive part of being in the hospital a little bit longer was that you really have time to get to grips with what you're doing in a world where you've got nothing else to do. Mm. Um, and the midwives, again, are amazing and pop in and, you know, help you breastfeed. And, and you know, they showed Nick how to change a nappy. He then showed me because I'd never changed a nappy before I changed one of Quinn's nappies. Yeah, um, I haven't either. So, yeah, and it, it's it's you don't need practice before you do it. It's not complicated. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've had a good kind of twenty four plus hours of of doing it. So actually, being at home and doing it without loads of other people around us was was way nicer. Mm, so bet. coming home was yeah was was a really really lovely part of it. You know, next mum bought us some food but then you know she kind of left us to it and so we had a really lovely kind of first few days um you know with with kind of family coming back and friends popping over and and him sleeping that would be my other advice um is is to get friends and family almost to come over relatively quickly once you're feeling up to it but while they're sleepy and quiet and chilled yes it's really easy to kind of to pass them around and for you to eat and all that stuff once he starts once they start waking up and getting a bit fractious 
like they definitely they're, they're fractious and they definitely are more fractious with with people they don't know right. and I found it stressful to have people around when he's upset like it's it just yes. stresses me out more so I'd rather I'm pleased that we kind of we, we basically didn't have a day to ourselves for the first couple of weeks which at the time I was like god is this are we is this a good idea um, but now I'm pretty pleased we did it that way because we've got a bit more time to ourselves this week when he's a bit higher maintenance. Yeah. And you've already been out in the pram. Does he like the pram? He likes the pram. Um, we, we've discovered getting the pram out of the house is more difficult than we thought it would be. Which uh, probably should have worked out beforehand. <laughs> like our steps, you can't get the pram down the steps very well. Oh, I um, see. So we, we, we've, we've been frequenting kind of disability websites to order ramps for our front steps (laughs) brilliant yeah um he likes the pram and I took him out in the carrier um a couple of days ago um by myself which was amazing um yeah just kind of like walking around with him in the fresh air was just divine Mm. so yeah we've been out quite a lot it's again it's the, the blessing of kind of having an easy time breastfeeding and I'm not I'm not a shy person, so I have no problem breastfeeding in public. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've and I've not had anybody have a negative reaction to me doing it either. I'm sure once if or if that starts happening, um, I might have a different view on it. But for now, I'm pretty happy just to if he wants feeding, I'll feed him. And so it's fairly easy to keep him happy yes. um, while we're out and about. Um, so yeah, we've had a really lovely kind of first few weeks basically and you're co are you co-sleeping have you got a co-sleeper we've got one of those like next to me cribs oh yes yeah um and he's in the sleepy head next to me he won't wake up now um and yeah which is which makes it pretty easy because as soon as he wakes up i can just scoop him up um and feed him baby. I did not realise how noisy newborns are when they're asleep. Like all of this noise, he's still asleep. No way. Is he really? Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. And and where you are like hyper vigilant, especially in the first few days. And so every noise they make, you wake up and then it's dark in your room. So then you're like shining a phone light in their eyes to try and work out whether they're awake, <laughs> whether you need to do something or not. You know what, Hendrik and I had this exact conversation the other day because he blacks the room out completely. And I said, I'd really appreciate like a bit of natural light, whether it's moonlight or whatever, coming in the room. Yeah. And he was like, no, I won't be able to sleep. We're not doing that. And I was like, well, how the hell am I meant to tell whether this baby's awake or just grizzling then? Yeah, you need, I mean, I... I have un, I've switched my phone so it doesn't auto lock basically, and I kind of do everything by the light of my phone. Right. Yeah, I, I've um, also got this amazing thing um, from the Grow Company. It's like a temperature gauge, but it's also got like a very light night light. And oh, I, great! I thought maybe that would be quite a good thing to have because it just gives a bit of a glow. Um, yeah, you, and I could just turn that on, but it's a very soft glow, so it wouldn't necessarily wake up Hendrik. <laughs> and that sounds perfect. Yeah, you definitely, it, it's not obvious the difference between crying baby and sleeping baby. It would be. I just have a question I wanted to come back to because I 
the only time I've ever read um, people like comparing labour pains to anything is it's like mm. period cramping. Would you say that that was right? Or is there any other kind of pain you've ever experienced in your life that you can compare it to? Um, it is... The, the feeling that I had in my lower back was definitely not dissimilar. Um, but it was way more intense than that. And then I really felt the contractions, like, in my abdomen. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of that combined is, like, a pretty all-encompassing feeling. Have I felt pain like it? No, is the answer. Um, and, you know, and I've hurt myself a reasonable amount in the past few years, like, broken collarbones and... Yeah lungs and all that kind of jazz I I do think and this is the way that Nick describes it like I'm I'm I have a very high pain threshold but what I don't have is is good mental game yes and and I coped I you know clearly I coped with the pain because I didn't need additional pain relief um you know and especially when we were doing the kind of all the placenta stuff like when you tell a medical professional that you did uh, placenta removal on gas and air they kind of do this like jaw hits the floor thing um <laughs> which you know at least reinforces to me that it was pretty that I wasn't crazy and it was pretty intense yeah um but the met I found the so so I guess I guess what I'm saying is the physical pain is manageable but I I found the mental side of not knowing how long it was going to last or how much worse it was going to get way 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 more difficult than I thought it would be yeah I, I think um, I'm gonna possibly be the same yeah because which when, which being sorry. in hospital was the salve for that yeah. for me yeah because then I knew at the, any moment that I needed to pull the plug and I needed and I needed something it would be there for me um and having the midwives at no point did they offer me pain relief um, which is what was in our birth plan, but just also, I, I, you know that they will tell you if they think that you're not coping. Like they had said to me, they didn't think I was coping, which is why they kept me in when we first arrived, even though I wasn't very dilated. Right. So I had faith that they would tell me if they thought I needed, you know, especially because I was asking for help. <laughs> I was telling them that I needed help so often, and their response was, "No, you don't. You're doing fine." Yeah. Um. So yeah, I. All of that mental side was way harder, but I had the, the midwives basically do that for you. They are your the, the rational part telling you that you can do it again and again and again. How's if you don't mind me asking this, how's your um bleeding been post birth? Fine. Kind of you know, the first couple of days in hospital was a bit, you know, a bit full on. Um and you know, you've got midwives asking to check it the whole time, which again, you kind of you think you're you're done with the nice, you know, personal space <laughs> issues, um, yeah. but not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's since then it's been just like a heavy period, so no, and it's pretty much stopped for me now, so no, no drama. Oh, that's brilliant! I've got these tenor knickers packed, and I'm just like, am I going to need them? Am I going to need them? I love those. Really? Um, uh, yeah, in the hospital, they were a dream. And then I used them, I basically bought a big pack of them. So I think I used them for like 10 days when we got home. Okay. Because it was just so easy to put them on at night. It, I used pads in the day and I used the tenor lady things at night. Yeah. Um, because I just meant I didn't have to worry about, 
you know, I didn't want to ruin my bed and no. and things. It was never bad enough for that to have been an issue, but it just gave me a lot of comfort um, at night. And then I didn't have to worry about, you know, what, what, what else I was wearing and which knickers I could put a pad in and all of that kind of jazz. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, those are great. Oh, good. What's, whilst you've been at home now, what would you say is the most useful thing that you purchased for baby and you've had around? The two things that we are using, three things that we're using every day. Actually, I'm going to go for four things we're using every day. <laughs> the, the sleepy head. Yeah. Love the sleepy head because he, we, he sleeps in at night. We bring it down. He hangs out on the sofa with me. Um, when we're eating food, it's on the table with us. Like whether he's asleep or whether he's awake, like it's just amazing to have it wherever we are, basically. Um, he loves his baby beyond bouncer seat. Oh yes. We spend a lot of time bouncing him in the bouncer, and he started falling asleep in it as well, which is amazing. Oh wow. Um. So and because he would only the first couple of weeks he'd only fall asleep up when he was feeding. So getting him to sleep not on me is isn't a bit of an achievement. Right. Um. We are getting through our body weight and muslins. Everything is covered in muslins. Um, <laughs> so order more of those and the extra big ones because we have like, we cover the sleepy head in a muslin, the bouncer's covered in a muslin. Um, yeah, those things, they're great. Okay. Um, and the other thing that my mum told us that we needed that I didn't think about at all that has been great is a top and tail bowl. Right. So we... I just assumed that you change nappies with and you use baby wipes to clean them. Yeah. Um, but a couple of people have told me that had, had kids recently that um, you're actually much better off just using water and cotton wool um, at the beginning because it kind of it doesn't irritate them as much. Yeah. And we had bought loads of these water wipes that were kind of like ninety nine percent water and one percent fruit extract or things. And the midwives are like, look, they're fine for when you're out and about, but still in the first few weeks, they'll kind of irritate them a little bit. So we've got these great kind of giant cotton pad kind of wipes that are kind of almost as big as like a, um, you know, what those cards that you used to do do your revision notes on when you're at school. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. That kind of size. So And the top and tail bowl. So it's like a two-partition bowl. So we just put warm water in one side of it. Um, and you can dip the cotton in and squeeze it out on the other side. Um, and then we just use that to clean him. And plus a couple, we do like five, ten minutes of tummy time a day without his nappy on. Um, just put kind of pads underneath him. Are you waking up, baby? Are you waking up? Would you send me a photo of your top and tail? Button? Yes. Yeah. And so having a couple of those... So we have a changing station set up in our room because we're in the loft, so it's like two flights of stairs away. Yeah. And one in the kitchen um, and two of those bowls and a bunch of cotton pads and his, his plus some air time every day. Um, and, yeah, and he's, he's as happy as Larry, basically. Oh, fantastic. God, that sounds amazing. The you other sound thing totally he used yesterday for the first time was the bath lotus, which he loved. Oh, what's that? It's like a big... Um, kind of towel, soft foam and towel flower that you like put in a bar, in a sink, and it like it takes all the hard edges away from a sink. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link for it. Yeah. Um, 
we were again advised not to bathe him for a couple of weeks just to kind of let his you know keep his skin in good condition and and things um and yes we bathed him for the first time last night and he he loved it it was it's super soft they can't slip on it it was like not stressful for us he had a blast um so I'd really recommend one of those as well. And once they're too big to bathe them in the sink, you can put it in the bottom of a big bath or a shower and they can sit on it in the bath or in the shower. Oh, brilliant. Because that sounds great. Yeah, and it's also super cute to take photos in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, please send me a photo. <laughs> so those are the things that, we, that we've used. Um, we basically have not spent any time in his nursery. That's really? the one surprise. Yeah. Our changing oh. table is in the nursery, so I think I will be, I'll be there a fair bit, changing. Yeah, it, it is, you do a lot of that. <laughs> How long did it take for his um, cord to fall off? His was super quick, um, his fell off on day three. Oh really, oh wow. Yeah, um, and it was a little bit kind of, you know, he had some like, kind of scabbing, um for uh a few days but it was in really good nick from the beginning basically oh gosh that's brilliant that's brilliant and are you feeling physically so i know we were chatting a little bit about you going back to your yoga practice to kind of two weeks in um and walking all that kind of stuff is that all now comfortable for you yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely slower than i was (laughs) um you know pre i'm not that up to my pre-pregnancy speed the first the first couple of days when we got home and i started moving around more i was i spent the first evening at home googling prolapse because i was like oh god i felt i just the weight i felt in my pelvic floor kind of terrified me um but that when i got up on the saturday morning it was significantly better and by the time the first midwife came to see us on the sunday um i felt back to normal okay so that was the only thing that kind of really scared me. Then it took me probably another week or so for my for the impact of my blood loss to kind of um, subside. And I've been on iron tablets and things, which have helped me massively. Um, but yeah, since then, physically um, and emotionally, like I've I, I felt fine. I haven't felt any of the, you know, a, a lot of the symptoms that they tell you that you're going to feel. I, I haven't experienced at all. So I think I've got off. I've got off really lightly, um, to be honest. That is amazing. Okay, one last question, and then I'm totally letting you go because I am sure you want to rest if Quinn is still asleep. Um, he is still asleep, unbelievably. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, I have had so many questions about this, and you do not have to answer this if you'd rather not just tell me, but a lot of women are terrified about going to the loo for the first time, like a, a number two for the first yeah. time. Did that terrify you? I was I was nervous about it, not least of all because I'd heard some pretty shocking stories of people blowing stitches and all sorts. Yeah. Um, the advice I got was put your feet on a little stool or something so that you're kind of you're in a more traditional squatting position, but you're not you're not actually squatting. If that makes sense, you're still on the toilet in a normal way. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and I had I had no issues either. Brilliant. That's um, so. So it was more, you know, I took my phone and I was like, I'm just going to take my time <laughs> with this. Um, so I definitely like try and d- don't rush. I'd say, especially because it is 
intellectually a bit scary. Yes. Um, but I think all the more reason to have, if you do end up with stitches, to have somebody senior do them and to make sure that, that you feel comfortable. The other piece of really good advice I got from um, from the midwives was was to to like to get a mirror and just take a look at stitches and things because it it all feels much worse than it looks, right. especially like twelve, twenty four hours later that kind of your your mind's eye version of what's happened and the reality of what's happened are obviously quite disconnected. Yes. Um, and it was not nearly as, you know, I was shocked at kind of how, how normal things seemed. Um, and actually in the birth, you know, we talked before about kind of Nick staying at, at the head end, not at the business end. We discovered pretty quickly that there is, there's, there's, there's pretty much only one, end in a neighbor it was like Rebecca's not 20 feet long like I can't not see what's going on um and he wasn't freaked out by it anyway when they were giving me the episiotomy the midwives were like don't look at this bit and he's like it's fine and they're like no seriously don't look he's like it's it's fine and he wasn't bothered by any him. of it either which I found incredibly reassuring because you know it's <laughs> If it doesn't freak him out, then it shouldn't freak me out either, basically. That's what I've said to Hendrik. I was like, if your panic face goes on, then I'm going to panic. So you just need to keep yeah. your face nice and calm. And then I will also be calm. <laughs> I was, it, it just all felt so much... I think there's such a big build-up for them. By the time you get to that nitty-gritty stage, mm. like, they've... You know, you're kind of out of it, even though you've been through it. But, like, they're, like, fully compass mentors. So, you know, they're fully prepared for what happens, I think, at that point. Yeah. Were you... Okay, one last question. I really promise this. Um, were you scared at any point? Um, I was afraid that I couldn't... I was afraid that I couldn't cope mm. and that I would... That it would get too much. That, that's what I was afraid of. Um... I wasn't afraid of what was actually happening to me at any given moment in time. Mm. So again, it was all, it was all in my head, basically. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like now is kind of a bit disappointing for me. Cause I'm like, I, you know, that was the bit that was in my control, but at the same time, I'm incredibly grateful that we did hypnobirthing, even though there were quite a few bits in there that didn't turn out to match my experience. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that we'd focused so much on on the the mental part of it beforehand and having faith that my body would do the physical part was was really really valuable and focusing on like our partnership and how we were going to get through it together um it was it was just way more a mental exercise than a physical one you said something really great to me in the text just after about how Nick was there just keeping reassuring you and um, really saying some helpful things to you. Was there anything like in particular that he was saying to you um, that you found okay? Yeah, this is really calming. I can do this. Oh, that's a good question. He's, ne he's next to me. I don't. I don't remember a lot of it. I just knowing that it. Oh, he was getting. He's, he's signaling breathing. He was definitely <laughs> getting me to breathe when I was when I was forgetting. Um, and actually, that was much more of a physical cue than yeah. a verbal one. Yeah. Um, and also kind of when I was being, when I was doing my, you know, I can't do this, I need help. He was like, you are doing it. Yeah. And, and we're helping with like, everyone's here for you. So it wasn't, 
it wasn't rocket science. No. Um, but, but, you know, obviously he was amazing. Um, but yeah, the breathing <laughs> thing was, um, and I think that's probably why I found the gas and air so good as well, because it does, it, it makes your breathing very obvious to everybody around you. So if you're not doing it properly, they can step in and help you. I've just written yeah. two things on a post-it note for Hendrik to tell me, and that is to keep breathing and to relax my jaw and try and yes. relax my mouth. Did you find that actually helped, relaxing your mouth? Yeah, and I once I worked out, the temptation with the gas and air um, mouthpiece is to kind of, because it's in your mouth, is to kind of bite on it. Yeah. Uh, and to hold it with your mouth. And once I realised that that was just making the whole thing way worse and that I really needed to hold it properly with my hands or get someone else to hold it with their hands and keep my 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 jaw relaxed. And actually, even in the in surgery, they give you gas and air through um, one of those masks, those, like, full face masks. Oh, right. Um, and that that was even better for me because it... it because I didn't have anything in my mouth. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I think your relaxation thing is um is is good. Oh, the other piece of advice, I took my giant pregnancy pillow with me. Oh, did you? Um which was great, but I also took a proper pillow. Um and I ended up using the proper pillow way more than I did my pregnancy pillow. So definitely OD on taking pillows with you to hospital because the pillows in the hospital are rubbish. Oh, you know what? I had literally just decided I wasn't going to take one, so maybe I'll change take my it. mind. Yeah, take it, take it, definitely. Okay, I will take it. Is there anything else that you want to share with anybody listening who is about to give birth or is maybe struggling over something that didn't go to plan in their birth um, that you want to share? Um, well, the, I, the, it's, I, yeah, it's a mental game. And so for me, it was all about the people that were around me. And we were, you know, we were really, really lucky um, to have amazing midwives, but I'm pretty sure all midwives are amazing. Although a friend of mine had not so great an experience with one of her midwives and the advice that they gave me beforehand was that if you, if you were not vibing with your midwife, ask for somebody different. Yeah. Um, and don't be don't be shy about doing that um and actually with all my experience like there's no way we could have got through it without like full trust in our midwives and so I would definitely say to anybody that's not feeling that connection to to ask for somebody different um and yeah I guess you know I would advise people like to go with the flow a bit but but that I I didn't take that advice beforehand I was so so clear on what I thought I wanted and what mm. I thought I would need and then when it came to it going with the flow was not difficult at all mm. um so so I wouldn't even worry about I was worried about getting into fights with the medical staff while stuff was happening <laughs> and it just was like that was a million miles away from what was what was going on because yeah. the medical staff were amazing and because you know you're just not in a place where that even crosses your mind no. um so yeah, so I guess look, you know, it's possible to have a high risk pregnancy and to have a natural delivery and even when stuff I hate that word natural, have an unmedicated delivery. Um and even when stuff goes wrong, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. I know you know I I feel really lucky not to have been not to feel traumatized by what happened and I think a big part of that was 
you know, how amazing the medical staff were and talking about it really quickly afterwards. Um, I was offered, and I think I probably still will take it up, kind of doing a full debrief in the hospital in the next few weeks. Oh, wow. So I'm going to try and change that um, just because, you know, I think more information will be helpful um, for me and just understanding, not least of all because my now the percent of things happen to me once, it's more likely to happen to me again. Right. Um, it's still, it was a 1% complication. So anyone listening, it's super rare. <laughs> um, and, you and lucky that person, you. Yeah, lucky me. Um, the chance of it happening again then doubles. So it's, it's, it's right. 2% next time, which is still really, really low. Um, yeah, so I guess my message to people is that you can do it. And also, I feel way less evangelical about pain relief and stuff now. Like, if just do whatever you need to do to get you through it, basically. Um, and it's totally worth it on the other side. Oh, I think that's brilliant advice. Absolutely. I think we get so attached to our birthing preferences, don't we? And then it's almost like a failure if it doesn't go to plan, which it absolutely no, isn't. No, and I'm, you know, we're seeing it now with our NCT group, like loads of different experiences of breastfeeding and, and things. And, you know, like you see people struggling with it and I'm not, but like, don't do it. Mm. If it's miserable for you and it's miserable for your baby, like, don't do it. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, that's my advice for the whole thing. If it doesn't feel right, you don't want to do it. Birth, delivery, aftercare, baby, don't do it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for chatting to no, us. Thank you for having me again. No, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. It's been brilliant catching up with you and hearing about what I have to come. <laughs> Um, you're you're gonna you're gonna nail it. It's 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 totally doable. Yeah. In whatever, whatever path you end up go, choosing to go down or being taken down, um, you know it's totally doable, and you get something amazing at the end of it, and and you can come out of it intact and fine. Yes. Which exactly. uh, that was my biggest fear that I would come out of it broken, either physically or mentally, um, and even though things went, you know depending on your interpretation, quite drastically wrong. Mm. I'm not broken in any way, shape or form. Mm. I mean, you look absolutely insane and you just, you're rocking it. You both are. I mean, from, yeah, you both are. You're amazing. We're trying our best. The, the, the Quinn, Quinn screaming tells us we haven't quite got it nailed, but we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, go get some rest. Thank you so much for sparing so much of your time. And... Um, when I'm next in London, I have absolutely no idea when that will be. But um, I would love to see you and have a little baby date. Yes, I cannot wait. Um, and so look, nice. if you want to talk about anything else before, even just agonising over if, if you do go overdue, like being overdue is so stressful. I bet um, it is. Yeah, and I don't, I don't actually have good advice for people on how to make it less stressful. It's just, it's just miserable. I'm um, already kind but yeah, of... I'm literally Yeah, that would be really great because I'm already kind of thinking, right, project baby out already. Because I mean I'm I'm almost at thirty eight weeks now, but I'm just every yeah. single one of my friends has gone past their due date. And I'm just thinking that it's gonna stress me out so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean I out of the eight babies in that N C T group, I was meant to come I was meant to be third right. and I came I was I was second last. Really, in that's interesting. So yeah, there were there were six babies before me, and I was th that was really stressing me out. I was like, 
it's my turn come yeah. on yeah um, yeah but then the girl after me had a surprise home birth so Ooh, wow yeah <laughs> it's all she wanted a full medical birth and got a surprise home birth so it can work out as you don't expect it both ways around yes you know what that is something that like worries me because obviously in the movies your your waters go you get your show all of this stuff and actually none of that can happen just like you yeah. said in your story just now um like you it can just literally be contractions and have yeah. nothing else and I'm like yeah, and what it, do you look for <laughs> yeah it, it can happen really quickly um but then you know if, if in doubt just just call the midwives and and I and I guess don't be afraid to go to hospital yeah yeah she her regret is she wished she'd, she'd gone to hospital sooner mm. um you know I think a lot of us ingest this kind of you must stay at home as long as possible yeah um I know going to hospital and coming back would be super stressful but you know I was upset and they let me stay yeah. so if doubt be upset I'll be fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's what I said to Hendrik because I was like I really do want to stay home as long as possible but actually I'm not sure that it won't be the reverse for me with relaxing that I, because I know I've got to go somewhere eventually, I'm not going to yeah. be able to relax fully until I'm in the place where I need to be. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it may well be that we end up going in quite early. And if they send us away, I mean, we're like 25 minutes from the hospital, half an hour, depending on traffic. It's sometimes like 45 minutes. So it's not a long kind of, it, well, it's quite a long way for us to come back again. So yeah. if it's in the daytime, I've said to him that we'll just, you know, we'll go into hospital. If they send us away, we'll just have to walk around town or go and get some food yeah. or do something. Yeah. Follow, follow, follow your instinct. It, it will be fine. And, you know, you can, their, their experience at these things, you know, again, I was, I was nervous that I'd be like so chilled out that they wouldn't realize it was happening. I mean, th yeah. which makes me laugh now because I was not chilled out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 yeah, it will be all right. Uh, fingers crossed. All right, gorgeous. We'll have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. And I'll speak to you soon. And there you have it. Thank you so much for joining on this podcast this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed Rebecca and I's catch up and you have also learned something amazing from her. I am sure you have. If you are a mum-to-be and you are um, going, well, your due date is up and coming, then best of luck to you. Um, we're all going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I am 37 weeks still I'm 38 weeks this week um at the end of the week so it's all becoming very real but yeah that was a super honest chat between myself and Rebecca and I'm sorry for a little bit of swearing um <laughs> I hope you didn't mind too much I wasn't intending to put the whole conversation up but then I thought you know what everything that we've talked about is super relevant and I think you guys should hear it so there you go have a wonderful rest of your week. If you want to reach out to me, always use my email or Instagram. Instagram is just Emma Jolin. Or there is my email, which is mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And I will speak to you next week. <laughs>